Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. So a few months ago, I had a conversation with Tom Clark about New Irish Arts. And I left the little flicker thing just sitting in the front of the music stand there. And if somebody wouldn't mind bringing it here, that would be wonderful. David, I didn't really mean you. You're in the audience. (laughs) But thank you. Just right there. Thank you. And I mentioned that I think a lot of people come into an encounter with New Irish on a one-off basis. Thank you so much. Without really grasping the wider context of our ministry, our work, and its purpose. I think some people still believe that we are essentially no more than wholesome entertainment for Christians. And so tonight I'm really delighted that the Committee of the Worldwide have allowed me to come and explain something of our vision and purpose. But along the way, I'm going to explain some of the the personal lessons that I've tried to learn through my own story and my own journey in serving God. And I hope that what I say over the next few minutes is helpful. It's kind of half mission report and half testimony with a wee bit of application at the end. Our vision as an organization is to use the arts, and especially music, to encourage people to worship God. So whenever a person encounters New Irish, no matter where that is, that's our goal. It doesn't matter whether that person who encounters us is a lifelong Christian who needs a little bit of encouragement in their walk with God, or it's a person who is totally unaware of God. We still want them to be encouraged to worship God. We always try to take people on an explicit journey in our events, which brings them one step closer to the gospel than they were when they came in contact with us in the first place. And we do that through a wide-ranging program of events. This aims to present Christianity, resource the church, and support a network of Christians who work in the arts. In practice, this includes some big events in concert halls like the Waterfront with a large choir and orchestra with maybe up to 300 people on stage, including our Christmas one. Sometimes it's concept events where we tell stories, like our World War I event, and that has now been in 16 different places across a a very broad range of communities, everywhere from the British Legion to the heart of West Belfast. Um, We've had incredible opportunities through that event, actually. Smaller groups and singers of singers and players going around, telling the story of the World War I, but with an angle which definitely allows a gateway for the gospel to be explained through particular stories that, that focus on what God does through people's lives. And then there are concerts we do for churches, partnership events with other organizations like the Worldwide Missionary Convention or Tear Fund or Open Doors. We also do worship leading at conferences like New Horizon and this one, training for local church musicians. We make the occasional CD. I think there may be some later. Um, And we do broadcasts for the BBC and RTE occasionally. Increasingly, we're being trusted uh, with the task of helping with the scripts for those as well, which is great because it means that we've built a relationship of trust with those organizations now that allows us to actually shape the message as well as the music uh, and, and, and often to get the opportunity to make meaningful Christian truth happen on air. And that's a real privilege. We do two youth residentials each year. Um, This year, we had over 150 people through the two of them, um, our choir one and our orchestra one. And these provide education, not just in singing or in playing, but also in the Christian faith. There's an opportunity to train and give pastoral direction to those young people too, who are often super keen to learn how to use their musical gifts for God. In 2017, 
New Irish Arts appeared in public 39 times. And every single one of those times brings some sort of opportunity to encourage people to worship God, pointing them to Christ and offering their whole lives to Him. And I believe with all my heart that God has shaped my life to fulfill my role as creative director in the organization. And I realize just how privileged I am to serve in this extraordinary ministry, and I really do thank God that He allows me to do it. Both in my personal and in my professional life, the words of Proverbs 16 ring true. We can make our plans, but it's the Lord who determines our steps. Let me tell you a little bit of how that has been worked out in my life so far in the first 44 years, but I'll do it quickly. I was born into a Christian family in Belfast. One of those people is me. <laughs> my dad was a congregational minister, and I prayed a prayer to become a Christian when I was probably too small to understand what I was doing. But I'm really thankful that my parents took their faith seriously. I will tell you that that photograph was actually sold to members of the church on a calendar to raise funds for the BB, and people gave away their money so that they could have that on their kitchen wall. Church was a big part of our lives, but at 17, I came to a point where I realized I had to claim my faith as my own, that that prayer that I prayed as a young child was, was important, but in some senses for the future direction of my life, it was immaterial because I now had to decide for my grown-up self whether I was prepared to make my Christian faith central in my life. And so at that point, I committed the most serious act of rebellion that I'd perpetrated to date. Up at that point, I bought a modern translation of the Bible. And armed with my new rebellious NIV, I began to read the Bible for myself and took ownership of my faith. Alongside that journey into Christian faith, there was a journey parallel to it that was running, um, which was into music. As a young kid, I was basically obsessed with music. I believe God made it obvious from an early age that music was going to be my thing. We had a wee toy organ in the house, identical to that one, actually. And I always say that I learned music kind of the same way I learned English. If I heard somebody sing a tune, I could just play it. It was a gift from God, but it was also a freak show. And like all good freak shows, our family went on tour, <laughs> though mostly in the mission halls of Northern Ireland. We were like the Von Trapps, but a little bit less edgy. Um, there are recordings, but I'd rather you bought the ones outside tonight than heard any of those. My musical development was helped greatly by some godly people. People like Louis Cuthbertson, now in heaven, Raymond Finlay, still living in this area, organists in the churches I grew up in, who used to let me play tunes before the services. Here's a story I've never forgotten. When I was nine years old, Raymond Finlay went and bought an old piano for me to play in church. And he took it to his garage, and he put his own elbow grease into restoring it. It's years later but I'm still touched by the fact that that man went so proactively about finding an opportunity for me to serve in the church at that early age and to foster my musical and my spiritual development in doing so, and I will never forget that he did that and many other things. That's just one indicator. There were teachers in my life too, and it's funny saying this because there are at least two people who had the privilege of teaching me maths in this room tonight, and boy, that probably wasn't much of a privilege. But there were people who taught music, a primary teacher called Patricia McMillan, who started a library of classical CDs and a music club every Friday lunchtime where we could all go and listen to them. Keith Rogers, the head of music in Regent House, where I went, 
who was a massive influence both spiritually and musically. Frankly, he was actually a musical snob with a radio that was welded to Radio 3. But he, he played a huge role in expanding the horizons of my Christian life. And those were formative days. At the same time as God was directing my steps in the home context with a faith that could flourish, he was also directing my set, set, set of steps with a wider set of influences that would allow me to develop musically. After serving in the CU when I went to university, a tension developed in my head. Should I pursue ordained ministry, or should I continue with a career in music? And I didn't know, so I did what absolutely everybody who has no idea what to do with their lives does. I became a teacher. <laughs> and I got a job in Bangor Grammar School where I stayed for 15 very happy years. I loved the young people more than I could ever have imagined and got a real kick out of putting on school concerts, carol services, and other events. I began to learn how to give pastoral care to people who were trying to have normal days in the middle of extremely abnormal circumstances. And for many years, I loved the banter and the pace of life surrounded by witty, intelligent, and rather confident teenage boys. But alongside that, I was becoming increasingly active in New Irish Arts and was asked to take it over when our founder, Keith Getty, went abroad and no longer had time to carry the musical baby he had given birth to. And after a few years of double jobbing, God paved the way for me to make this my main professional role in life. God has given me a space where all the things I love can come together and be used for His service and His glory. I still get to put on events. I still get to work with young people at the age of 44. Teenagers want to come on the camp I'm in charge of. That's flattering. It's like God wrote the job description and then spent time crafting my life to make it all make sense. And there is nowhere else I would rather be than serving Him. And you might say, well, that's all very well, but what can I do? Like the great philosopher Charlie Brown. What does it mean for me? Well, I'm going to suggest three things that you might want to take from this, whether you're into the arts or not. Number one, be an influencer. I needed influences in my life. Without those church organists who let me play, the teachers who taught me how to think and write and speak, without two godly parents, I couldn't be doing what I do now. Let me encourage you to be an influencer in the place where you find yourself. Be part of someone else's story of service parent, grandparent, employer, church member, youth leader, whatever. Invest in people, especially the young, and you could become part of a big jigsaw that you never get to see the end of, but where you're a tiny piece in bringing about good for God's kingdom. Secondly, I've had to learn to embrace limitations. <laughs> I'm not a strategic thinker. I don't have a five-year plan. I can't do it. Never have been able to. So I've had to wait for God to open doors you know what? He does. And I'm grateful. And the very fact that I'm no good at planning means that I actually have to rely on Him more to direct my steps. I've also had to deal with major health changes over the last few years since I left my teaching job. Maybe you were a person who prayed for me in 2013 when my pancreas opted out of useful service. But I want to tell you that from that experience, I have learned to respect the fragility of life and to treasure the individual moments that God has given. Let me encourage you to find opportunities to see God's hand in the things that limit you, to take the things you can't do, and find, like Paul, 
that in your weakness, God can make you strong. Third thing is about Sam Moreland, guitarist who taught in Ballyclare for a long time. And he came to our youth fellowship when I was 13. And he talked from Exodus about the passage where God tells Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh and Moses didn't want to do it. He says, what's that you have in your hand there? He says, it's a staff. And God uses the staff as a symbol of his authority. And I've never forgotten that talk. It was probably 10 minutes. It was probably shorter than this. <laughs> but it was very powerful to me because Sam was sitting with a guitar in his hand and I understood that for him, his music was his way of being a Christian. Expressing his faith through that was an important thing. And for me, the staff was a piano. For other people, it's different things. At the end of the day, all I've done with this organization is actually just to take the thing that I can do and use it for God. And I'll be very honest with you. There are many times when I so wish I had done more of that when I still worked in Bangor Grammar School. There are real regrets there. So let me encourage you today to take whatever God has placed in your hand as the thing you can do and try to see missional kingdom serving value in it. Maybe you're a good talker. Maybe you're a good cook, a friend, a teacher, a carpenter, whatever. Lift that thing that's in your hand and step a little bit outside your comfort zone and go and use it for the Lord. And finally, can I ask you to pray for New Irish Arts? Pray that we will continue to have the freedom to do all these wonderful creative things we can do in the public square, which will encourage people to worship the one who deserves all glory and honor. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.